everybody welcome back this is the final episode of a series on the video games of 1981 if you are just tuning in for the first time welcome uh go back and check out our previous four episodes and enjoy this where we cover defender and give our final judgments on the best games of 1981 all right everybody welcome back to the surely you can't be serious podcast this episode we're going to continue our discussion on games of 1981. We will spend time this time discussing the game Defender. Yes. And then we're going to rank these five games, sort of a final judgment for us. Yes. So before we jump into Defender, there are some other games that came out in 1981 that at least deserve an honorable mention. Yeah. Quicks, or as you pronounce it, Kicks. I've always, always called it Kicks. Help us out on this one, folks. If you know the answer to this question, the QIX game, how do you pronounce that name? I loved playing it, but I don't know that I ever got the pronunciation right. That game was a lot of fun. It was fantastic. I mean, it was, and it was different than other games. And it was one of the few games that was big in 81 that was designed in the United States as opposed to Japan. Okay. Another game from that year that was uh, really popular is a game called Gorf. Gorf, yeah. That was actually five games in one. It had like a Space Invaders, Galaxian type of game and then every time you changed screens you actually played a different style of games like five in one. And you could buy extra lives. That was kind of a cool feature of Gorf. Right. And we talked a little bit about Tempest. Tempest, we didn't, we said didn't make it into this cut because there was an edition of Tempest that came out in 80, although most people consider it an 81 game. It's a fantastic vector game, but not one that we were considering. Mentioned prominently in the book, Ready Player One, that Tempest game actually plays a very important part of Parzival's Quest. Yes. All right. And another game that I used to like, a game called Mousetrap. There's Scramble. There's a game called Venture. There's lots of games from 81, but uh, obviously we're going to stick with the winners. We pick winners. We only pick winners. <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk about Defender now. Right. So as I mentioned, almost all of the games that we talked about were developed in Japan, right? Right. So Frogger developed in, in Japan, but it was... And it was it was doing pretty well over there, and it took the Elizabeth Falconer standing up to the execs to get it to come over. Right. Donkey Kong, we know, was developed in Japan. Galaga. Ms. Pac-Man was developed in the United States, but it was so heavily based on Pac-Man, it's kind of a joint effort. Sure. Now, Defender was developed strictly in the United States by Williams Electronics. Okay. Awesome. Okay. The guy who developed was a guy named Eugene Jarvis. Okay. Yep. And so he was a guy, chess player in school, enjoyed games, but his first encounter with computers was like a one-day Fortran programming class that IBM put on. But it was enough to convince him that when he went to college, instead of studying biochemistry, he decided to study computers. Let me interject something really quick. Go ahead. You mentioned Fortran? Yeah. That's one of the two classes I failed in college. <laughs> I made an F for Fortran. F for Fortran. Does this, does this mean I pass? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> 
Okay, so he got his first taste of the excitement of video game type things with a forbidden thing it was in the back of a place called Johnny's Smoke Shop there in Menlo Park where he grew up. <laughs> Johnny's Smoke Shop. If you think you've heard of the name Menlo Park, people know it today as Silicon Valley. So nice place to grow up if you decide you want a career in computers. Yeah, for real. But pinball back then when he was a kid had been banned. They considered a gambling game. And so, oh, wow. so his parents, as they left, if he would leave the house, they'd say, don't go to Johnny's Smoke Shop. So, of course, they went to Johnny's Smoke Shop. Yep. And in the back, they had old men smoking cigars and a pinball machine. Nice. So that was exciting to him. And his first taste of actual video gaming, when he was in high school, he would go over to Stanford, and they had a stand-up version of that game, Space War. That I talked about. Yeah. With the exclamation point. The bad... Space War! Bad Star Wars musical. <laughs> <laughs> but he never played it because it cost 10 cents and he didn't have the money to play it in high school. Yeah. But he went to school at Berkeley and they had their own Space War game down in the basement and it was free and he became obsessed with it. Yeah. And so he decided, you know what? I want to get involved with video game making. Graduates from college. He gets an interview with Atari. He's all excited, and they don't call him back. And so they, he waits, and then Hewlett-Packard calls, and he's like, okay, Hewlett-Packard, that'll do. Goes to work for Hewlett-Packard. After three days, he quits because it's the most boring job he's ever had in his life, and he's sitting there trying to figure out what to do. So the phone rings, and it's Atari, and they say, hey, we'd like to offer you a job. Would you be interested in making pinball machines? Yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> Absolutely. You've called the right place. Right. So he goes over there. He starts working on some of the pinball machines that they have. But the guy who hired him quits a couple of days after he starts working there. And then his boss quits. And then the other guy in the department transfers to a different department. So within two weeks, this early 20-something guy is now the head of the programming department. Mr. Pinball. Mr. Pinball, right. So he worked on the Atarians, which was Atari's one of Atari's big pinball machines, and su the Superman pinball machine. Oh, nice. Which is not from the movie. It's the comic book, character. comic book characters, right. And those games caught fire, literally. Oh, nice. They were not well made. <laughs> they literally <laughs> caught on fire. So he's like, okay, I don't really think the Atari guys know pinball machines. So he goes and gets a job with Williams Electronics, which is the pinball company back uh -huh. then. It's one of a few. Those companies are in Chicago. He goes out there. He is happy as can be making pinball machines until 1978 when he first lays eyes on the game Space Invaders. Game changer. Game changer. And so Williams and he talk and they both agree he should make their first video game. Not a pinball machine, video game. Okay, right. right. What he does is he spends the first three to four months working on color versions of Space Invaders and Asteroids. Okay. Now, keep in mind, this is an industry that is exploding at the time. They are always under the gun to make something. So the fact that he spent that much time just recreating games that he loved is kind of a strange choice. Okay. So he has several swing and misses trying to get a Space Invaders type of game. And so they brainstormed. They liked the asteroid wraparound screen. And so suddenly somebody somehow got the idea of rotating the screen so that you were firing to the left or the right instead of up in the air. 
that is a game changer. Yep. The other game changer to him was the motivation behind the game. So in the game Defender, you actually have like an honorable objective. You're trying to save people, uh-huh. right? If you've got to sacrifice yourself to save others, you're going to make a bigger risk than if you're just shooting random spaceships that have shown up. There's an altruistic component to this game, which is huge. And he decides to name it after a TV series that he watched when he was a kid called The Defenders, which starred E.G. Marshall. You know who that is? The little lights aren't twinkling, Clark. (laughs) Thanks, Art. Yes. he is. E.G. Marshall is a big actor, was one of the grandpas in Christmas Vacation, also was one of the holdouts in 12 Angry Men. Great, great actor. All right. Here's the other thing about The Defenders, okay? Okay. I'm not super familiar with the show, yeah. but in season nine, episode 20 and 21, <laughs> you had guests of Steve McQueen, William Shatner, wow. and Ralph Bellamy. What? Yeah. All right. Not Bill Bellamy. No, Ralph Bellamy. <laughs> Who, if you don't remember, was the other Duke brother. One of the Dukes. One of the Duke brothers in uh, it was Trading Places. Dukes. <laughs> okay so you have astronauts who you have to save and they were called mutants because they're supposed to be your friendlies but they're still throwing stuff at you right okay do you know the other all of the characters that they have in the game i do go for it you have lander mutant bader bomber pod and swarmer yes here's one of the things i was going to throw at you okay one of the, the knocks on new gaming systems in particular the stuff my sons play yeah. Is there's too many knobs, too many buttons, too much stuff to learn. takes a PhD to figure it out. Right. Defender had four buttons, which that was a game right. changer. Oh, right. Yeah. So you had hyperspace, smart bomb, thrust, fire, plus a joystick. Yeah. This game was incredibly hard. Yes. It's, it's, got, a lot of, it's got a lot of buttons and whistles, right? Yeah. And the whistles were a part of the development. They had been frustrated they were falling behind jarvis almost quit because there was so much pressure being put on him to make this game and then they hired this guy named sam dicker who is another pioneer in the video game industry and sam dicker is the one who added the audios and the visuals for the explosions which are possibly the most memorable component of defender the it really is you feel the concussion when those explosions happen and the multicolor lights coming out in the explosion, it is probably the most memorable thing to me because it's what happened to me the most. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I remember the first time I ever played it, my gaming area of choice was Showbiz Pizza. Uh-huh. And I stepped up to the game like, cool, this is a new game, plug in a quarter, I don't read the instructions, now here we go, right? Player one, let's do this. And I start wasting the humanoids down below. <laughs> And I get yelled at by a kid in the arcade who tells me I'm doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. I'm just blowing the humans up. <laughs> Which, apparently at the time, the fact that you could kill humans, yes, it was considered kind of graphic. Like, uh-huh. people were upset by that. Yeah. You can blow up humans. So, anyway. And then the other thing I remember about this game, if you hit the hyperspace button, sometimes you would reappear on an alien ship and it would kill you. Right. And that was that was a major pisser. So, I can tell you that this was not a game I played very often because it was so hard. It was freaking hard. It was ridiculously hard, and it involved strategy. I talked about him being a chess player. This game involved more strategy and more tactics than any other game that I can think of in 1981. Yeah. The average playtime for Defender? 
Yes. 37 seconds. That sounds about right. Yeah. That sounds about seven seconds longer than I would like. We mentioned in our Galaga episode that average game time for, for video games in 1981 was about four minutes. Yeah. So for Defender to be 37 seconds. That's pretty tough. That tells you how hard it was. So while they were making the game, they were convinced that nobody would make it past the third level. But just to be sure, they put in five levels. <laughs> Jarvis had the high score on the game and nobody could top it. And his high score was 60,000. So the guy who invented the game, I mean, he's, he's a gamer. I mean, you know, the yeah. Space Invaders inventor said he couldn't get past level two. But this guy's a gamer. His top score was 60,000. They're like, he can get it to the third level. Nobody else can get past it. We'll put level five and that'll be it. I can tell you that at the present moment, the high score for Defender, 33,644,725. Oh Earned by Billy Joe Kane. Billy Joe Kane. Billy Joe Kane. Nice. So they're working on this game. They're struggling to get it done in time for that AMOA show that I've been talking about. Right. But they forgot to create the attract mode. You know when you're walking by a video game and you like see the yeah. sample play one? That's the attract mode. Yeah. That's the, hey, look how cool this game is. Stick your quarter in mode, right? They forgot to put it in. So the night before, they are creating an attract mode. Ah. They finish it. They put it in the game. And it doesn't work. So literally, as they're going into the AMOA show, they find a way to make it work. But it's not a big hit at the show. Okay. At the arcade, however, it explodes. Wow. And so that turns Williams into a power player in the video game industry. Jarvis goes on to create some more complicated things including the first time you put two joysticks together to move a character around. He created the game Robotron, like 2084, I yeah, think. Yeah, Robotron, called. yeah. Robotron 2084. You had two joysticks the first time anybody had done that. Now, all of the, you know, your Xbox, your PS5 or whatever, they all have two joysticks that you use your thumbs to move, right? Right, right. And you get a maneuver back and forth. To the buttons. He literally took two Atari joysticks and screwed them together on a piece of wood in order to create his double joystick prototype for Robotron 2084. And then he went on and made Cruisin', which is the car game, which I thought was fantastic. I mean, everybody had played pole position at that point, but Cruisin', you had the beach, you had this fantastic music, you're going up and down hills, so it looks so much more realistic. And I'm pretty sure when you would crash, the wheel shook. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so Eugene Jarvis becomes a pioneer in the field, all from an almost failure at the AOMA show. Nice. You know who else liked this game? Sheena Easton. Sheena Easton? She, this Get game, out of town. This game is a huge part of the video almost over you. What? Yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah, yeah, I did it. Ah, good job. <laughs> I was going to say Steven Spielberg. He had one of these in his office. Oh, nice. Uh, Next to his Donkey Kong game. Sheena Houston's a lot better looking. <laughs> Did you ever play the game Stargate? No. That was a that was sequel. game, yeah. That was like, yeah. So that was the sequel to Defender. Yeah. And they added another button. But I can't remember what it was. But anyway, yeah. it was harder. Yeah. Defender was at the AMOA show in 80, but it wasn't actually released to the public until 1981. So it doesn't surprise me that they're making a sequel for it that same year. Wow. So what I remember about the game 
and this was watching other people play because I couldn't do, I couldn't look at this at the same time that I was playing the game because of how bad I was. Yes. But this is one of the games, one of the first games that you had a little map on the screen. I know that was really cool. So you had to, you had to maneuver where you were, but it also, you were kind of keeping track of where you were in the larger world of the game, which is, I mean, something that they use in games all of the time. Game changer. Yeah. Game changer. Huge game changer. All right. Well, that that about wraps it up for Defender. We're going to move into Final Judgment now. Right. Five video games are Galaga, Ms. Pac-Man, Defender, Donkey Kong, and Frogger. Yep. Go. Five brilliant games in 1981. Game changers. If I had all five of them in front of me, I would be so excited I'd wet my pants. (laughs) Right? It's interesting that you say that. (laughs) All right, dude, you give me five quarters. Here's how I'm playing them, all right? Right. Number one is Donkey Kong. For me, Donkey Kong, number one. Okay. And I probably blow two or three quarters on Donkey Kong. Okay. All right? Second in line for me is Ms. Pat. Okay. Love it. Have fun speeding around, eating the pellets, killing ghosts, all that stuff. Number three is Galaga. The double shooter, the ship getting captured by the, the tractor beam, and the fact that you can double shoot, so much fun. Love Galaga. Number four is Frogger. I still love Frogger. Yeah. Tons of fun. Hopping on logs, jumping the, the purple frog's bones on the log, right? dodging cars, love Frogger. For me, it drops off pretty significantly. Defender is not one of my favorite games. Mm-hmm. Still a game changer, and I appreciate what it did, but um, it's definitely dead last by a pretty significant amount. Yeah. Where are you? So I'm, I'll start where you left off. Okay. I've got five quarters. Yeah. I'm not putting a quarter in Defender. Yeah, me either. Not because it's not a great game, but just because I never got good at it. I was too young to get good at such a hard game at the time. I know that my older brother loved that game. I know that there were kids that were playing that game all of the time. And it's a fantastic game. There's no question. But it's just too darn hard. It's just too darn hard. Yeah. Now. That means that I've still got five quarters for four games, right? Okay. So Donkey Kong would be the fourth game that I would choose. Like it is fourth, finishes fourth for me. Okay. I love it. I would watch you stick money in it and play it over and over. It's fantastic to watch. It's so good. But it is also really, really hard and I want to get my money's worth. It's tough. And so I would put, I put one quarter in Donkey Kong to finish things out. Okay. For number three and two, I've got a tie. Okay. I've got a tie between Galaga and Frogger. Okay. I can tell you that I love Galaga and I'm really good at it. And I can play it a long time, which is we talked about. That was one of the benefits is that you can last a long time on one quarter. And I love the double shooter part of the game. I can't wait to try it again to figure out that cheat in the first level so that none of it, nobody shoots at me to see how far I can get. I love, I can't, I just getting from challenging stage to challenging stage was, it was like cake because it's like I had to get every ship. And if I didn't get every ship, I went into the next level depressed. That's right. But then, oh, I got another challenging stage coming. I'm going to do it on this one. And when those freaking like dragonfly looking ones came and started spinning around, I was like, what the heck? (laughs) So it's a tie for Frogger for me. I can tell you that I know that I would play Frogger again because when Crossy Road came out for the phones, I spent a long time playing that game. It's fascinating. It is not too hard. It's got great music. I love Frogger. But number one, for sure, for me, Ms. Pac-Man. I can't fault you. Great music. Great storyline. I am better at it than any of these other games. I work toward, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not setting any records, right? But I will get every ghost 
every blue ghost, every level, every time, every fruit, every dot. I will get the extra life before I die. I love Ms. Pac-Man. Top of the list. There. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Okay, guys, tell us what you think. Where, where do these games fall for you? Would you shove all five quarters into one game? Who's going to play Donkey Kong the entire time? Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Check out our Patreon page. We'd love hearing from you. Email us if you want to. You can reach us at ShirleyPodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're checking us out on Facebook, we're at Shirley Podcast. If you're checking us out on Twitter, we're also at Shirley Podcast. And if you go to our Patreon page and you search Shirley Podcast, you will find us there. And you will have the opportunity to become an executive producer in one of our episodes. That's right. Be sure and send us your high score when you uh, tell us what your favorite game is. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Join us next week. We're going to jump into Flash Gordon versus Highlander. It's going to be amazing. Talk about things being inspired by Star Wars. Things inspired by Star Wars and the Queen soundtrack on both of these. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fantastic. Come back next week. Come back next week.